This is the MooTower.com Property Inspector, taking a closer look at global real estate each month. In this month's podcast, I follow a lead from the FSA that takes me away from real estate into the mysterious world of alternative investments. Alternative investments, any type of product that doesn't fall within the traditional investment areas such as stock or property, are a hive of controversy. Just the kind of thing I like to stick my nose in. But as news of more scandals arrive, this week the FSA announced new proposals to regulate the alternative market. If the proposals go through, the promotion of unauthorised collective investment schemes, or UCIS, will be banned to retail investors, while sales will be limited to only investors who earn over £100,000 per year, or have over £250,000 to invest. Are the FSA correct? Carbon credits are a commonly cited problem area, with over 100 companies reported to the watchdog in the last 12 months. That's up from just six in June last year. Are alternatives really a ripple, or are they a reliable investment strategy? My case began with Alternative Marketplace, a website that advertises alternative products ranging from farmland and green energy to bamboo and carbon credits. They told me the interest had increased this summer, with traffic to the site up by 72% between July and August. They then turned me on to Caesar Alternatives, an investment consultancy specialising in rare earth metals. I questioned Andrew Cook, managing partner in the firm, to get some answers. Andrew, thank you for speaking to me. What exactly does Caesar Alternatives do? What we do is we, we trade in rare earth metals. People buy and sell them um, through us. What on earth are rare metals? Well, rare earth metals are the elements which are used in primarily high-tech so technology. You tend to find them in things like telephones, uh, mobile phones, solar panels. They're, they're used in very small amounts, um, but they are crucial to modern-day high technology. We have small telephones now, and we're not carrying around bricks on the 80s. Um, uh, you know, they're used in very, very small magnets as well. Um, they're used in laser technology. Um, and at the moment, because China undercut the rest of the world um, in terms of cost of mining uh, in the 90s, um, they've managed to corner 97% of the market now. Um, and because of that, they're now in a good position to... Uh, artificially inflate prices, which has then caused uh, rare earth metals to spike in price. What we expect to happen, as China's announced they're going to become a net importer by 2014, um, and Japan has already started stockpiling rare earth metals, you know, there's, there's a good chance that people storing them, uh, as long as they're high enough quality, sort of 99.9% uh, purity, it's then possible to sell them on in, in a few years' time at a decent profit. What kind of returns can investors get from rare earth metals? Very, very difficult to state. I mean, at the moment, prices of certain rare earths have gone up by multiples of four or three in the last two years. But if, if you think about it, if, if China itself is going to become a net importer by 2014, um, and these are absolutely essential hybrid cars for um, TVs, for, for most modern technology, um, and each product only contains a very small amount, sort of one or two grams. The actual percentage, uh, sort of a percentage of, of a whole car's cost, for example, a Toyota Prius, the percentage of rare earth metals in it is very small. So even if the rare earth metal price doubles or triples in, in value, the actual total cost of the car will only increase by a few hundred dollars. So it, it doesn't affect the major price of, of consumer products very much because it's a very small percentage. Um, but the actual price of the earth could theoretically go up quite a lot. It's more important that manufacturers have supply than they have very good pricing. So let's say I'm an investor uh, and I'm looking at rare earth metals. How would you pitch it to me? 
sell me rare earth metals? Uh, well, I would say, um, obviously, the, the, the key is to go for metals which have got a good future prospects. They are used in things like smartphones, um, in solar panels, that kind of thing. Things which have, have got worldwide demand. The heavier rare earth metals, because rare earth metals are split into two types, heavy and light. Uh, the heavy rare earth metals um, are currently pretty much at capacity in terms of rare earth mining in China, and we expect demand to rise for those. So if you go for a bundle, a basket of metals that contains primarily heavy rare earth metals, then there's a very good chance that demand will continue rising, supply will stay static. Even if other countries start bringing mines online, um, it takes a few years for those to come online, and it's extremely expensive for them to bring them online as well. So everything points towards um, price inflation. With some uncertainty in property markets, for example Europe, uh, what's the demand level that you're experiencing for rare earth metals? Is that... Has that changed over recent years during the financial crisis? It's pretty strong. I mean, the, the thing is that the kind of investor that's going to go for this is someone that is, you know, up on what's going on around the world. That they're, they're familiar with China. They know what's happening with, um, with with economics in general. They are, you know, people that buy gold, for example, as, as, a, as a protector of wealth. I mean, gold is not probably going to give you particularly good return over the next few years, I wouldn't say. Um, I would say that it, you're more likely to get a better return from stocks at the moment. But things like um, rare earth metals, it's not something, to, you don't put everything into it. It's something you put a, a, a small but reasonable percentage of your portfolio in expecting um, you know, a potentially higher return. Um, but it is something which is at the more higher risk end. You know, as with any portfolio, you should never put a, good, a large proportion into commodities. So I'd say maximum 20 30%. Presuming you diversify into a range of alternative products, I mean, how, how does that compare to more mainstream forms of investment? Would you invest in alternative products yourself? If I look at what I would consider investing in myself, yeah. knowing, knowing the different products, um, you've, got, you've got quite a few tick boxes you need to have. You need to have your money should always go to um, the UK escrow or something similar. Uh, your money should not ever go directly to a firm unless they're, unless they're regulated. And it's always best to deal with things that are either based in the UK or based in, in Europe so you can go and check to actually go and see what you're actually buying. I would only ever buy something that it's physical, a physical asset, where it, the, 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 the rationale makes sense. If the rationale makes sense and you think there's good demand for what you're buying um, and there's a definite secondary market, um, then yes, diversify across different things. Property itself is, is, a, is a sensible option, but it's just not accessible to most people because you, you need quite a large chunk. Alternative investment has this reputation as being risky and unreliable. Is that an obstacle you find you have to overcome? Or are the people who invest in rare earth metals already open to the product? They're quite, the, the people that we tend to pitch our product towards are looking toward, they're looking for something speculative, but they're looking for a high, potentially high return, um, and they accept that there is naturally going to be some amount of risk involved. The way we've got, we structured our investment, if everything goes you know, belly up, the client is still going to be the holder of 99.9% um, purity, high-quality rare earth metals, which is stored in Cadogan Tate in London. Um, it's not a paper asset. It's not something which is out in South America. It's something which is physical. They can go along and expect it themselves. Um, so that that's a crucial crucial difference. Is it important to have something physical when you invest? You know, when people got burnt buying the, you know, various wine investments and, and, and other things in the past. Um, it's nothing like that because you are, you, these are certified as high quality, 
high quality rare earth metals, you can go and view them yourself. Um, and we're very aware that people have been burnt in the past and don't want to get involved in something which is, you know, like wines. Well, although they did actually end up buying the wine, investing in wines is extremely difficult because the price of wines for different years can vary a huge amount. So it's very, very difficult to look up. Whereas with this, you know, rare earth metals have got a definitely good future. Um, definitely a three to five year period. Words like scam and con fly around in the media when it comes to alternative products. Have you encountered this kind of activity or seeing companies in the marketplace where you thought, hmm, possibly a bit dodgy. I've encountered um, firms in the regulated marketplace that are considered quite dodgy. <laughs> if, you, if you're recommending, regardless if something's regulated or not, um, it, it, just because it's regulated doesn't mean that the investment's going to give a, a decent return to the client. All it stipulates is that the money isn't going to be siphoned off into someone's, someone's offshore account in the Cayman Islands um, and the, the directors aren't just going to run off with, you, with your cash. That, that's what you're protected against. Um, if the money is then invested in something which is worthless um, or, or ends up deteriorating in value because of uh, illiquidity, then you're going to get burned. Is it a case of bad products or is it a case of a bad broker? Um, I, th I think the problem is, to be honest, that um, the way that it's structured is that clients are pitched heavily on products which you know pay pay decent pay, pay decent returns to the broker. That that's the basic thing that clients need to be aware of. Uh, it doesn't mean that it's a bad investment. It just means that that's what they need to be aware of. So, what kind of things can investors do to avoid scams? Is it just a case of doing research into your chosen product? If you are looking at something, you need to think about it logically and do your own research. Um, so, for example, buying 2007 um, into property funds, which were, and property was at the absolute peak price it's ever been at that time, uh, was probably not the best idea, but many people were doing it. Um, and then several property funds then became illiquid and people, you know, uh, people's money was then locked away for years because they couldn't liquidate their, their investment. That, you know, and that was a regulated fund. So I think that it's a, it's a case of, you know, look into what you're investing in, do your own research, um, don't just believe the sales pitch um, and, and just think logically about what, what it is you're putting your money into and, you know, just, just be, be sensible. Andrew, thank you very much. So after hearing directly from someone in the market, what do you make of alternative investments? Would you invest in bamboo or is it all one big bamboozle? Get in touch via Facebook or Twitter at the Move channel and let us know. The Property Inspector will return next month.